On this week's episode of the I-501CU, the podcast for nonprofit board members, I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing Rick Yoakum. Rick is the executive director of the Humane Society of Manatee County and has been so since 2016. What's interesting is Rick's background, and you'll hear a little bit about it. He was in the for-profit sector for about 34 years and held a number of elected positions in New Jersey and so has a wealth of experience. And then lo and behold, he up and moves to Florida and takes over the Humane Society. So please enjoy this conversation with Rick Yoakum. Hey everybody, this is Michael Corley. Just wanted to let you know, we are now sending out a weekly, very brief newsletter, tips, tricks, pointers to nonprofit executives. That includes both board members and CEOs, executive directors. If you're interested in receiving this, please go to thecorleycompany.com forward slash newsletter, and you can sign up once again, that's thecorleycompany.com forward slash newsletter. Well, welcome to this week's episode of the I-501C, the podcast for nonprofit board members. And we're taking a little bit of a detour today and maybe getting back to our roots. And we're interviewing an executive director. Yes, somebody who runs a nonprofit. And this week's guest is Rick Yoakum. He's the executive director for the Humane Society of Manatee County. And Rick, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Very excited for this opportunity to be able to talk to you today, Michael. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. I tell you what, let's just jump right in and tell the you've got an interesting background in the, in the fact that you came from the for-profit sector. So can you walk through some of your experience and how you ended up being the executive director for the Humane Society of Manatee County? Sure. I actually have you call it interesting. I call it a very diverse background <laughs> before uh, I arrived here in uh, March of 2016 at the Humane Society of Manatee County. Um, back in Northwest New Jersey, I was a general sales and marketing manager. That was my real job, uh, which entailed quite a bit of uh, travel and spending time in airports and away from home. I also served um, as a humane law enforcement officer for the state of New Jersey. I also, for um, about five years, uh, served as president of that law enforcement organization uh, in New Jersey. And at the same time, uh, I, in my own community where I raised my uh, my family, my my two daughters uh, and my son, uh, I was a member of the Environmental Commission. I was a member of the Planning Board. I was a member of the Board of Education. I served as president of the Board of Education for several years. And then I started my career as an elected official, and I spent 23 and a half years on the Jefferson Township Council, 20 of those as president. So it was a, a very good learning experience, and it was a very busy time. Well, I can imagine. I, 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 I'm trying to picture you running for office, and uh, I could see you out there easily, easily <laughs> uh, kissing babies and shaking hands. It's yeah. certainly your personality reflects that. So, so somehow you end up down here, and you get into the nonprofit sector and decide to run a humane society. How did that come about? Well, it, it's it's a very easy story. Um, my wife and I have owned a second home in Florida, in Southwest Florida, for probably 25 years. This was always going to be our uh, end game, our landing spot when the time came. Um, but um, I, I was the administrator of a face, Facebook page for this law enforcement agency, Humane Law Enforcement. And we had about 100,000 followers around the country. And one of them happened to be in Sarasota. And this person messaged me and said, hey, uh, by the way, there's an opening down here at an awesome humane society that really needs help. You ought to check it out. So I did. I spoke to my wife 
Um, and we agreed that we were going to go for it. And I went through that search process and interview process and was one of the final candidates and ended up getting the offer and accepted it immediately and gave up everything and sold our home. And here we are. Well, how about that? What a story that is. And Manatee County is definitely the benefit of that beneficiary of you, you moving down. So question, because I, I, I do have this conversation a lot with boards who oftentimes are from the for-profit sector and have a little bit difficulty coming into the nonprofit sector and really understanding it. And for any number of reasons, I don't mean that derogatorily, but what's been the biggest learning experience and transition for you going from for-profit to nonprofit? Well, in actuality, um, my, I'm going to say again, diverse background was a huge benefit to me. Um, in today's world, quite honestly, um, nonprofits do need to take on a business approach they need to create and and they need to look for and create uh, revenue generating um, projects that they can do um, because to be dependent just on donations and grants and you know black tie events is pretty difficult in today's world. Um, so the biggest uh, the biggest change really for me coming from for profit to the nonprofit was to uh, switch from being competitive to being collaborative. And luckily, after the last uh, seven years, um, and it took a few years to get there, but the animal welfare organizations in Manatee and Sarasota County are remarkably uh, collaborative. It's it's an amazing, it was an amazing transition here and couldn't be happier for all the support for each other in this animal community. It's really great. Well, I appreciate you affirming the, the, the difference that it's more about collaboration than competition. I do have that discussion with board members because when you come from the for-profit sector, it's about competition and rightly so. And, and we understand that, but the need is so good in the nonprofit sector, so great that you really do need to collaborate. So Rick, let's talk a little bit. You go from having a, a normal job, I should say, and a number of experiences and you come in, you you inherit a board of directors and now you've got 10, 11, whatever number it is, bosses. Um, let's talk a little bit into how as an executive director, you might wanna communicate with your board. What has worked and what hasn't? How do you engage in communication with a board of directors? Mm -hmm. I think one of the most important things that an executive director can do is listen. Listen to the direction the board wants the organization to move in. And then it is your job, your responsibility uh, on a day-to-day -day basis to make that happen. And again, listening is sometimes so much more important than talking uh, as an executive director. Um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, having a number of bosses, in my case, I do have 10, recently had 11, now I have 10. Um, it can be challenging for a CEO or executive director for sure. Um, but one of, the, uh, one of the secrets I think to success um, is absolute transparency, and you always you always say and do the same thing, no matter who your audience is, whether it's a community member, whether it's an elected official or any one of your 10, 11, 12, 13 bosses, you need to have consistency and transparency. Another mistake I think that a lot of executive directors make is over communicating to board members. Board members are volunteers. They are busy and it is incredibly important to respect their time. So don't write a story. 
just state the facts, give them the information they need to make the decisions that they need to make. Um, it makes for a much better relationship. It makes for a much more productive board meeting. Um, believe me, I can tell stories. I'm a storyteller. Put me by a campfire. I'm good. But that's not what it's all about when you're communicating with the board. Uh, just stick to the facts, the information, and don't try to anticipate what the board member wants to hear. Tell them what they need to hear to give them the information. That's really interesting. So when you communicate with your board members, for example, how what's the frequency and what's the mode of communication? So it's a little bit different for I communicate on a much more regular basis with the president and our board secretary and our board treasurer for you know obvious reasons. I also communicate with the committee chair uh, members, board members uh, on a little bit more frequent basis. But I also never let too much time go by without giving some updates. And what my updates contain both good news and bad news. So that's another mistake I think that a lot of CEOs and executive directors make is they focus 99% of their communication on positive things that are happening. And they don't mention some of the challenges that they're facing. And if you want your board to support you and work with you, they need to understand the challenges. And that I think is really important to remember. Um, I do give um, fairly regular updates to my board in between board meetings. And I try to do it on a regular basis so that they anticipate it. And it's not a surprise. You open an email and, oh, we have an update. So, you know, try to try to do that. And board members are not unlike everyone else, where some board members prefer to be uh, reached by text. Some prefer to be reached by email. Some prefer to be reached with a good old-fashioned phone call. And some actually like to stop by and say, hi. So, you know, that's the key. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. So as the executive director, it's your opportunity to understand how each likes to be communicated with and respect that. And I assume yeah. that you learn that over time. And then mm -hmm. I really like what you started off with. Just stick to the facts. Brevity is the key when you provide those updates, good news and bad news, uh, because the reality is that is the reality. Yes. And you want their support and help. Yes, you know, when when we uh, when we myself and the treasurer um, present the financials uh, monthly uh, to the board, um, I do send them uh, the complete set of financials every month in preparation for the meeting, along with all my other meeting documents and shelter reports and clinic reports. But when we do the presentation, for the most part, we do a condensed version of the financials. Uh, because that is really what the board, the majority of my board members want to hear. They don't want to go through 222 line items. They You, you lose people. Um, I do have a couple of board members who are uh, a little bit more in tune and want to hear some of that stuff. And I'll do that separately. Um, but again, as you said, um, you know, just be short, succinct, to the point with the facts. And then outside of this communication you're talking about, are there other ways to keep a board member engaged? You know, that's a challenge a lot of organizations have is how do we keep the board members engaged? Do you have any tips for that? Actually, I do. And, and you know, Michael, the reason um, that that engagement is so, so important, serving on a board is not easy. 
Serving on a board sometimes can be a little bit of a thankless job because you're a volunteer. <laughs> you're making extremely important decisions, sometimes without all of the information you may want or need in order to do what you're you know, supposed to do. Um, so, you know, keeping board members engaged. I love uh, to give tours of projects that we're working on to board members. Um, I like them to see um, with their own eyes, you know, the things that we're dealing with, um, to write a couple of paragraphs about a project that you're working on. I'll give you an example, some shelter renovations for, um, you know, working on trying to uh, create a safer environment for the animals. I can write that and I can write it very well. Um, but to be able to have board members take the time to come in and walk through the area and look and see and touch and actually even talk to the staff about some of the things that are going on. There's a huge value to that. And the board members, I, I believe, truly appreciate that. Um, because again, it's sometimes difficult just to read something when you can actually see something. There's a huge value to that. Well, and I think that you're saying something that's really important, that you're taking the time to invite them on a tour. And look, we, we're all busy. We all know the board members are busy. But the reality is, if it's going to give them a better understanding of the organization, it's worth the time to do that and mm -hmm. to reach out to them and invite them in. Now, I, I know you also have a very, you're, you're passionate about board meetings and, and how to make them interesting and interactive, if you will. So can you talk a little bit about the, the board meetings uh, and how you approach those? Absolutely. So again, um, some of the keys to me in, in having uh, productive board meetings um, that engage the board members, um, always start on time, always try to end on time. You know, those two things right there show um, respect for the people that are at your meeting. Um, I think that that's actually very important. Uh, every meeting starts with a mission moment. And sometimes that mission moment and, you know, Michael, uh, I realized how important this was when I heard you speak about this on a number of occasions. Um, we always included a mission moment um, at some of our meetings. Uh, but now for the last couple of years, and thank you, uh, every meeting begins with a mission moment. Uh, it sometimes focuses on a staff member. Sometimes it's on a volunteer. A lot of times, obviously, because of who we are, it has to do with some of the great animal stories uh, that we're able to share with our board members. Uh, because, you know, our board members serving on a Humane Society board obviously want to hear about the animals. Uh, so that that's a real key. Um, you know, uh, you've known me long enough to know that I also um, use humor. Uh, in some of the presentations that I do. I've done that throughout my entire career because I think it's a valuable tool uh, to put people at ease even during difficult times. Um, and so our meetings are, are, are kind of fun. Um, you know, to get board members to be interactive in a board meeting can be challenging for some uh, organizations. But there's a real value to having that interaction. You don't want board members sitting and listening. You want you want to hear what they have to say. So we make sure, my president and I, uh, try to make sure that agendas allow for that interaction to take place. And um, every committee chair gets to present at every single board meeting. Um, and the reason we do that is because committee members can sometimes feel 
unappreciated and not listened to. So it's part of our agenda. Uh, and that committee chair has that opportunity every month to share with the board what they're working on and maybe ask for help, maybe ask for more volunteers uh, and give good updates on what's going on. So what I'm hearing is a very intentional theme through your board meetings is engagement, allowing people to have discussion, and it's not didactic. I think that's critically important, because, and it's got to be intentional, because otherwise it will turn into just a report out session, just by nature of meetings. That's just what happened. So kudos to you doing that and really engaging the board members. I, I'm, I know they appreciate that. And uh, yes, your humor, I've heard a number of your presentation, and you weave in humor very eloquently. You know, it's not so much that it's over the top, but it's really woven in nicely into the presentation. It keeps people energized. So mm -hmm. I can imagine all your board meetings are, are quite fun. And um, and thanks for sh talking about that mission moment. You know, I think we, if we're not careful, we lose sight of why we're there. And I don't mean that um, intellectually, but emotionally. And so emotionally by, and in your case, it's the animal stories or even a staff story. Board members really appreciate that. Uh, uh, and to, to take the time to do that is, is well worth it. So yep. kudos to you doing that. If I could also uh, mention something else about committees and, you know, we have your standard committees. We have a finance committee, a fund development committee. Um, we have a governance committee, which is a huge value. Um, and we also have our executive committee. Um, we also have a committee that is uh, kind of short term, maybe it's a building and expansion committee to talk about all the different uh, property, the buildings, the expansion, construction, things like that. Um, but to, to executive directors that are that are listening, um, if you want to streamline moving forward on things, um, get your committees involved in the planning process, not as a group that you're reporting back to, but make them part of the solution. And when they go into that board meeting, um, the excitement that they're able to share with the rest of the board um, is, is a pretty overwhelming factor in moving things forward. It's the peer-to-peer. -peer. They're hearing it from another board member. Um, you know, I, I laugh because at some of the board meetings, I say, all right, I'm going to stop talking now. And I want you, want you to listen, you know, to each other, if you will, um, because I'm not, you know, that uh, I just don't want to be there just, you know, reading information off a piece of paper. Um, I want it to be interactive. And board members want to contribute. They want to make a difference. That's yeah. why they join the board, because it certainly isn't for the money, right, That's uh, as a volunteer. But to create an environment where they can contribute is that's the ultimate engagement. So I commend you for doing that, Rick. Let, let's take a little uh, step to the side. And so uh, about a year ago, you got a new board chair and, mm -hmm. you know, that relationship, how did you all decide to divide responsibilities? What, what are some best practices or some advice for executive directors out there and working with their board chair? Mm -hmm. So one of, one of the important things that, that we do and what our board president does is his communication with the committee chairs is important and valuable, uh, in particular uh, with us because of all the uh, governance issues. We're changing our bylaws and amending our bylaws. So the governance committee has been remarkably busy. Um, and to be able to keep the president in the loop on all of that um, is is extremely important. Um, you know, he, he and I, our board president is Tom Greer, 
And Tom and I are both uh, interested in making the board meetings interactive, um, you know, moving forward uh, and productive. There's there's nothing, you know, after we had our retreat uh, with with the Corley company, um, everybody was kind of excited because they felt that we had an extremely productive meeting. And there's nothing worse than leaving a meeting where nothing is decided, nothing is agreed upon, and there is no excitement. Uh, nobody wants that. The board members want to move forward. They want, you know, to better the organization. Um, and it's uh, it's actually a, a very good feeling when you have a productive meeting. Yeah. How often do you think you speak to the board chair? Just curious. Um, I probably every every week, depending upon what's going on, um, you know, I'll give you an example. We had a we had some construction taking place at our uh, facility outside of our clinic about a month ago. And um, the contractor hit a gas line, a natural gas line. So as soon as I got the text that this happened, <clears throat> the first thing I did even though it was outside of our veterinary clinic, was I evacuated all staff and animals from the veterinary clinic out of the building uh, because gas has a way of finding itself into a building. Um, so um, the next thing I did was close off our parking lot and contact the fire department. And then the next thing I did was reach out and call my board president and give him an update on exactly what was going on, exactly what happened. And then after everything was resolved, I reached back out to him because one of the one of the things that's important to me is I don't want my board members or my board president surprised by getting a phone call or a text or an email from someone else. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I want them to hear from me first. None of us like surprises. So, I, I, and I, I think your your sequence of events is noteworthy. Address the issue, the emergency first. Get people safe in this case, and then let your board chair know. And then he would he reach out to the board members if appropriate to educate them to allow you to get back to work. Correct. Yeah. Very well done. Very well done. Uh, so y'all speak well, maybe once a week, and then on an as needed basis. Correct. Let, let me ask you a little bit, and then this is a major difference between for-profit and non-profit, and that's the use of volunteers. Mm -hmm. Volunteers in the organization, it can be a strategic asset. And uh, how do you approach volunteers? Do you have a specific philosophy on ma using, managing, engaging volunteers? I do. Um, I have a firm belief that volunteers, no matter what size of a nonprofit organization you have uh, or what kind of community, Volunteers are the lifeblood of a community and they can be a lifeblood. They are the lifeblood of nonprofit organizations. Um, appreciate each and every volunteer, no matter how much or how little they may do for your organization. And one of the things that's very interesting to me is, um, you know, people walk by volunteers without recognizing them sometimes. And the fact of the matter is that some of those volunteers are, um, they've got a vast amount of experience uh, in life um, and they have some amazing backgrounds 
that you wouldn't even think. You see someone wearing a green shirt, walking a dog, you know, hey, Bob, how you doing? Well, guess what? Bob used to be a fighter pilot. <laughs> he used to be an airline pilot or he used to be a banker. Um, so I try to go out of my way to learn volunteer stories so I can interact with them on a regular basis. Um, I never, I never walk by a volunteer without acknowledging them. Uh, and no matter what, no matter what's going on in the world, I always make sure that I take a few minutes to stop and have a conversation. <laughs> Excuse me. One of the other things that's extremely important with volunteers, this goes back to that stop talking and listen. Listen to what the volunteers are telling you. Hey, we could really use this. They're giving you their time. They're putting their heart and soul into your organization. You you should give them the time to listen to what you can do for them so they can do their job. I think that that's something that is lacking in a lot of organizations where that doesn't take place. And I think it's really important. Um, also, properly onboard a volunteer. You know, we've all been in a situation where we volunteer to do something. You go there and nobody tells you what you're supposed to do or how to do it. Uh, so proper onboarding and take the time and then offer continuing education if it's wanted. Some volunteers want to grow their responsibilities. Others are happy just doing what they're doing. So listen to what they're saying. And if they want more training, get it for them. Well, I think that that is very interesting. I appreciate you saying that, Rick. And, you know, and in, in Rick was we were primarily talking about was volunteers on site, but the board's a volunteer as well. So even onboarding of board members, right? We got to remember they're all volunteers except obviously for the, the paid staff. And so that whole orientation, onboarding, respect, listening, that's all signals of, of leadership that Rick does so extremely well. Rick, is there anything else you'd like to share with board members out there, prospective board members or executive directors to help them as they're working with nonprofits? Sure. You know, for board members, um, ask questions, um, you know, ask, ask those questions that you need answers to that are going to help you do a better job as a board member. Um, you know, don't ever not ask for information. Don't ever not ask a question. Um, and quite honestly, um, challenge me. Uh, ask me why. Ask me, why did you take that position? And I'll be more than happy to answer you. And one of the keys with decision making and, you know, you're constantly making decisions when situations change, as long as as an executive director, CEO, you're basing your response and your actions on what is best for the organization, what is best for the staff, what is best for the animals in our case, um, you can't you can't go wrong. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's just extremely important that you always have to keep in mind um, why you're there. What is your responsibility? Your responsibility is to the organization. And as long as you make your decisions based on what's best for that and what's best for the community, you're golden. You're golden. Um, but yeah, the more information uh, board members have, uh, the better. Um, and again, you know, over communication is just as bad as under communication. You don't want to you don't want to deluge a board member with information. Um, 
you know, it's just not the proper thing to do. Great, great advice. And I love where you said it's all about mission. When you said, remember why you're there. And if you, there's something, there is something bigger than yourself. And as you, if you remember that, you, you really can't go wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Yoakum, the executive director for the Humane Society of Manatee County. He's a, an excellent leader in the community. He's a friend. He just does great work. Rick, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast and sharing your wisdom. Thank you, Michael. It was my pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you again for the opportunity. All right. Now we have recapping with Reed. Reed, we just heard from Rick Yoakum, and he had many nuggets in this conversation. So what resonated with you? So I'm going to try to split this up into three different sections as we go. So the first section is going to be the executive director communicating with their board. And it's all about transparency. And you need to say and do the same thing. And that's goes for not just talking to your board members, but talking to any audience. And a common mistake executive directors make when communicating with their board is over communicating. Board members are busy. Just give them the facts that they need to know to make the decisions. And then when it comes to frequency and mode of communication, don't go too long without communicating with your board members and meet them where they're at. Learn what method of communication your specific board members like the most and use that form of communication to give them the information. A lot of good points there. Number two. Number two is about board meetings. These are a few points we've talked about before. Always start board meetings on time and end them on time. Shows respect for your board members. Not only that, but begin every meeting with Rick called it a mission moment. You know, we talk about it just beginning every meeting, you know, grounding with the mission. Lastly, Rick and his board chair, they're both interested in making board meetings interactive. So, you know, they put a priority on that. Yeah, very intentional, which is important. And number three, your third point. My third point is about volunteers. Rick said volunteers are the lifeblood of any organization. You should take time as the executive director to listen to your volunteers because they might have a perspective that you wouldn't normally have gotten because they all have you know, a different life experience. Yeah, very good. When I heard him talking about volunteers, I was hoping it was gonna be the Tennessee volunteers, but it was not. It was about the volunteers of the organization. Recapping with Reed, ladies and gentlemen, three points, and somehow you got 15 points in those three, I believe, Reed. So eloquently done, and thank you for that. And thank you to Rick Yoakum. And we will I501 see you next week.